0: Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. You're a new DM who wants to jump behind the screen. Maybe you've been volunteered by your gaming group, but aren't quite ready. You've been watching people play games online or on podcasts, and you're thinking to yourself, where do they come up with all that descriptive narrative? There's no way I can do that. Well, don't worry. We've got a solution for you. What if I were to tell you that I can put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk while you're prepping your game? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there, and there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy and pastable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. Confidently read these narratives aloud in your campaign and impress noob and veteran gamer alike. And the best thing about it is, the library of narratives is constantly growing, and it's affordable. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D S C R Y B dot com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks for free. Links will be in the show notes. And now back to the show. Fairies, they've been a part of our homebrew world for
1: close to 15 years. From the gutter fae of Prentigene cities, to the elflings of the Sand Sea, to the fairies of the Wilderin. They are a widespread species in Hymerin and have always been a playable race. So dust off your wings, students of the dojo, because we are delving into Dash's people. Our favorite fairy as portrayed by Rhodey Sin.
0: From an acorn's journey, a DMD story, because... It's our homebrew world, fairies, this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Lou Zaponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's enter to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey,
0: Scott. Hey, Bill. Hi, Lou. Hello. Hello. You feeling okay, buddy? Been a long week, it's been a long week. You look a little tired. It's been a lot of recording. There has been a lot of recording, too much recording, Tail not enough. En- Tail end of our week long. Tell that to Frank. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of editing He's to do. He's got a lot of editing to do. Lou is happy as a edit- a secondary editor to assist in his uh, his trials and tribulations of trying to make us sound good because I was starting to cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we sound terrible. <laughs> Fairies. Hey, did you take the bug zapper down? Because they get caught up in that.
0: I did. Oh, should I
1: I put it
2: back up. Let me go get it. Hold on, I'll be right back.
0: Too late. That was was Dash.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Easy come, easy go, I suppose.
0: Uh, So fairies, yeah, we got them all over the place. We got them all over the place. Yeah. Um, They're everywhere. But what do they look like? Uh, Are we using these stylized... Tinkerbell kind of fairy or or something else?
1: They look like Rhodey Sin with wings <laughs> and a tail. Or with wings. I think Rhodey Sin has a tail.
0: Rhodey Sin might. I don't think the fairy does.
1: <laughs> They're yeah. tiny fake creatures. They're little people. Uh, they stand about two and a half feet tall, maybe a little bit more. I think uh, Dash is a little on the tall side, he's a
0: towering two nine, two yeah. nine, yeah.
1: massive, seventy massive fairy proportions. Yeah, he's like a toddler, toddler <laughs> size.
0: But yeah, they some of some of them look similar to the stylized fairy, and then some of them do not look like the stylized fairy. The gutter fade don't. The gutter fade do not. They they do fly, Uh but I, I always thought they they looked a little bit more like uh the evil gremlins. <laughs> Maybe not quite that bad, but I mean, just yeah, they they live in the city. They're, they're city yeah. fairies, and uh, they're a little rough and tumble.
1: They are. They're uh, those are the those are the ones you don't want to mess with. They're uh, they're from the
0: hood. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they, they they got themselves a, a gang. They're very well socialized. Uh, they have a, a very complex social group, but they're also a bit. I don't want I don't want to say mischievous because everyone thinks they're playing pranks and everything they they're closed yes they're very closed you can get some information out of them but it's going to cost you something yeah nothing's free and if you if you uh end up on the bad side you end you don't end up on the bad side of one all of them you end up on the bad side of all
1: of them yeah the gutter fae are not to toy with never sleep on a gutter fl- gutter fae because you could get got
0: yeah <laughs> it's like a swarm of bees <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And intelligent bees that are going to be hunting your ass down and, and let every other one know that, guess what? We don't like him. Huh. Uh, Steve found out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, he did. He ended up in the bad side. Yeah, Steve, was, it, Steve was one of my
2: wizards that we were playing in a world with. Him.
1: Nevitz the Mage. Yep. yep. That's his real name, actually. Steve is his character's name, but <laughs> in the real world, it's Nevitz the Mage. Nevitz the Mage. Now the elflings, the elflings have wings, but they don't—they uh, don't fly with Bit them. The stigial. Yeah, they—they they use them to cool themselves off because they're—they're they're desert-dwelling fairies. They're yep. an offshoot race. They have uh, close alliances with the large insects that inhabit the—the—the the, the sand sea. But now Dash, Dash is a little more Tinkerbell than the others.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're—you're forest. Fairies are a little bit closer to the stylized ideal of what people think a fairy should look like.
1: They have tails.
0: They have tails.
1: And large insect-like wings that allow them to fly. Yes. But sadly not Dash, because he's he's more of a glider than a flyer. But
0: We'll get into we'll that get into later. That. Yeah.
1: yeah, you'll have to listen.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I think you can run into it a little bit different. You know, something you're used to, something you are not. But now, how does the fairy see the world in general? They see
1: the world as a massive, sprawling space full of clumsy, lumbering, oaf-like species. Well, the uh, gutter fae have a almost a symbiotic relationship with their human counterparts. They will inhabit the same building and will have a very good relationship with their their human or elf or, or dwarf neighbors uh, as long as they, they are treated well. If they're not, then, then you're
0: going to get <laughs> got. Yeah, but yeah, let me be me. Uh, let them go about their business. You go about yours. You can be very friendly with them. They can do you favors. You can do them favors. If they like you, they like you. But if they don't, they don't. Yeah, it's... The opposite sides of those coins, are one is very, very bright and shiny, and one is not. Yeah, there's no shades of gray. It's black and white. The The forest fairies, a uh, little skittish uh, initially because they've heard the stories of all these big races, and more often than not, it's bad for them. So a little bit skittish, but again, if if they see you as an ally, they will do for you and
1: they live in they live in groves uh groves of trees they'll settle in these trees and they'll stay there you know the, they there will have multi-generational homes in these trees it's it's almost like a uh, the forest version of of high rises you know so you yeah, could have multiple yeah. fairy families living in the same massive tree
0: like you said for generations too and they don't travel very far they maybe go to the next fairy grove which is just a short while away, and they they get everything they need from the forest. But more often than not, you're coming into their world, not the other way around.
1: There's always a queen, much Mm -hmm. like bees have. Yep. for each Uh, grove. Yep. Even the gutter fae have have a queen, a matriarch, if you will. The elflings are perhaps the most different fairy in in Hymerin because they, they burrow. They live in... Tunnels with their their insect companions. They are more insectoid in appearance. Very than, much so than your traditional fairy. History has
0: it they may have started out looking similar to the other fairies.
1: Yes, but then there was some intermingling with some other uh, other races, such as particularly the gnomes that uh, were trapped in. In the portion of the wilderness that was destroyed by the gnome intervention during the blight.
0: We're talking thousands of millennia ago. And you're right, there's been an interblending. Consequently, they look a bit different. Some may have wings, some don't.
1: Yep, totally disappeared through interbreeding with other species.
0: Some may have an antenna, some may not. Some may not. Different colors,
1: Yes, many different colors. Many
0: very vibrant colors, similar to the the speckling you get off of, uh, say, a beetle's carapace. You know, there's there's going to be that that pearlescent kind of look sometimes in their skin. Other times, it's drab. So it it runs the full gambit. How do you think the world sees them? Well, it depends on who you're looking at. Yes, because the gutter fae are probably looked at a tolerable nuisance.
1: Yes, or or a boon, maybe if you. You happen to be a family that has a good relationship with them. You know they're there. They may not you may not see them very often, mm-hmm. but you're aware of their presence. Maybe uh, you leave a saucer of cream out at night or some sweets that you purchased from a local shop just to keep them appeased.
0: Yeah, the little old lady, or little old man. They've been up there since you know. Of course, they have gone through several generations. Maybe you don't know. You assume because they're diminutive size, they're probably like cats that fly, and we're going to leave out treats for them here and there. And you might know one or two by name, but the the rest of them leave you alone. It, it's fantastic. But then there's other times where, like I said, they're a pest. Uh, the constabulary is always trying to shoo them out of the house and because there's an issue that came up, and, and they don't forget very often and they don't leave things alone. Yeah, so, and you
1: don't want a gutter fae infestation in your home if, if, uh, if they're angry with yeah, you. It yeah, it could be problematic.
0: So, yeah, how, how the world sees them, it depends on the your circumstance. Your, your sand sea, your elflings, they that's a little different. People see them as an oddity because—
1: You don't see them often.
0: You don't see them often. When you do, they're astride these giant insects, most often uh, ants that have been bred for that purpose— and little
1: bugs can be off-putting, and when you see
0: large dog-sized
1: bugs, that's yeah, even more off-putting.
0: Especially in
1: mass. Yeah, and they're xenophobic, so you don't often come in contact with with an elfling unless uh, the elfling happens to be an adventurer of some type.
0: Or you get too close to somewheres you're not supposed to be. Yes. Then you're going to see them using numbers, and they're just going to try to shoo you away. They may eat you. <laughs> and they may eat you, <laughs> so... You know, uh, yeah, they're they're the oddities. And then there's your your nature fairies, which I said more often you stumble upon them than they stumble upon you. And
1: these are the stuff of myth and legend. Uh, they're in fairy tales. And oftentimes they're the subject of bedtime stories that various races will tell their children before nighttime. And there are rumors, but they're just rumors, but they they are rumors that in some parts of Caravar, the Dwarven uh, Republic, that they are a delicacy. I think that's
0: horrible. Absolutely horrible. I would never play a character like that. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, yeah, how the world sees them depends on where in the world you are are and who's doing the looking. So why would a fairy adventure? I mean, they're diminutive. Uh, Everything's bigger. Everyone's bigger. Half of the things out there look at you as a snack. Why would you adventure as a fairy? Curiosity
1: and overwhelming urge to see what's outside of your your specific area you live in. Or mm-hmm. maybe there's a need. Could be. Um maybe maybe that lifestyle of living in a multi-generational tree just isn't for you. Maybe you're Maybe you've been ousted from your community because you're a
0: hothead what uh, fairies are all happy and go-lucky i I don't I don't think I could actually envision uh, an angry fairy i I met one, did you? Yeah ah well, he's in the other room. Oh they oh yeah, that's right uh, <laughs> that well, I mean perhaps because it's such a closed community, once every 10, 20, 100 years, they may be sent out. Other in a group or individual to figure out what's going on outside. The Queens need to know what's going on outside their borders so they could see whether, okay, status quo, great, everything's fine. Oh, there's a war going on. We might want to watch that. We're gonna get we're not gonna get involved. We wanna watch out for that. Just just to be ready make sure. for it. Just to make sure in case that war comes here, we need to go somewhere safe and, and be gone before they get here. So it might be out of necessity as well as curiosity that they would be out there adventuring. So there's quite a few reasons why. A practically you know, xenophobic fairy might need to go out there in an adventure that being sent, even if it's not just self compulsion, it might be, or no, you're being sent. We need to know. How about cultural considerations? The everyday life. I mean, what they eat, what their family might look like. What's important to a fairy? I think the gutter
1: fae, I, I see our gutter fae much in the same way I see wildlife. In a city, I watched a squirrel and a seagull fight over a cheeseburger in a McDonald parking lot. <laughs> Neither one yeah. of them being carnivores, um, I I figured they would they would have a very omnivorous diet. They would eat whatever yeah. is available to them when it becomes
0: available. I I always pictured the gutterfay as that troop of monkeys that is around all you know the temples around India that they're 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 worshipped. But they're tolerated. But they'll come up and just take anything you want, and you can't do anything about it because number one, they outnumber you. Uh, d- they have teeth, and they're kind of protected. And the fray would be the same way. All right, don't piss them off. Yeah, you know, just, or just you know, smile, nod, and go. Okay, it's it's your it's part of your lunch. Yeah, you don't want them to throw poo at you. Yeah, eat, <laughs> eat the other half of your lunch and be happy that they're happy. So you know, there's different ways to go about that. The yeah. uh,
1: the elflings of the sand sea would would probably eat smaller insects and various plant life. They would know where to you know what plants to eat to get some water. They would eat certainly from traders and the whatnot. Any any fruits or vegetables, but I see them primarily as vegetarians, with the exception of their consumption of of insects.
0: Insects and maybe some of the the, the larger creatures that are hunted on occasion for special occasions or to help. Fortify the you know the stockpile of food. And again, like I said, uh, most of your plants in the desert, the majority of the plant is living underground, searching for water. So I can see meaning a lot of tubers and roots yeah. and things like that, because so, that's that would be accessible to them more so than than the the buds and the shoots of the plant. Family, what's family going to look like?
1: It's matriarchal. There's there's always a female at the always head. a female at the top. Uh, Multi generational across the board. Yep. Where uh, a, f- a family is such, of such a size that it's almost like a tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, extended family and, you know, intermingling with other, like, family groups. So the, the male would, would once, once there is a, a um, bonding, the male would move over to the family of the female and be assimilated into that, like, kind of family group.
0: I could see the care of the young being communal. Yes, yeah, very much so. Where you know the as the, the the adults are out, other you know checking the borders, harvesting fruits and berries and nuts, perhaps hunting a a, a the massive game of a, a squirrel or a badger on occasion, then bringing it back. And in the meantime, the the aunts, the uncles, the the slightly infirm, the elderly would would watch over the children and teach them the ways as. As they go up, and when they finally get to a certain age, they'll go out with the adults and do all the things the adults need to do.
1: I, I see with the exception of the leadership, the um, the fairies would, um, be there wouldn't be any like traditional gender roles. You know, there would no, be no, a, not at all.
0: It's just whether you're physically fit to do the right do the job, with the exception of the very top. What's important to a fairy?
1: Well, I would think their their family unit and the survival of their family unit would be of top importance because they are multi-generational creatures so that the family, particularly the experiences of the older fairies being uh, being uh, a living history to the, the family group, I think uh, venerable fairies would be widely respected.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. They're the repository of the knowledge for the most part. And... I would have to think that the continuation of their traditions would be very important to them. I mean, it's multigenerational. Things don't change quickly or often. It's been done this way for a very, very long time, and it's important to them to make sure it's still being done this way because it works. Yeah. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Change is bad. Very bad. Change is bad. And I I can
1: see them embracing that because the – it was it was a massive change
0: that split the species in into three, almost world-ending. Yeah, but, so it, but they, it would have to be that big for them to respond to it. So they may hold
1: very similar traditions from the old old days, with the exception of some slight differences from species to species, right?
0: With, which probably forced upon them by environment and circumstance. So now we move on. What class would we choose for this race? I think rogue is a natural. Yeah, pretty much a given. Um, Diminutive size makes it hard to be seen. Particularly if you were a gutter
1: fae. I think for woodland fairies, the nature fairies, they were a druid. Perhaps ranger would be appropriate. A lot, a lot
0: of the spell casting, because they're, they're, it's innate magic. They're usually in an area that is rife with magic. So for them, it's normal. And average. They have they do have some racial abilities that are border, you know, very similar to spells, so I can see them expanding upon that with certain knowledge. They have a gift for it and magic comes to them easily. The elflings are being xenophobes. I can see them a bit warlike. Yeah, fighters. but, um, you know, maybe, maybe the, the champion would be the pallinger, rangers, of course. Someone's got to find new food sources because I think for the most part, they're a bit nomadic at times, yeah. too. and it's a harsh climate. It is. So you, you, it's easy to run out of resources. So moving about, so you're going to need those rangers out in front to make sure they can find where they what they need for the, the next week, month, year, whatever the cycle may be. Well, what classes do you think would not fit? We didn't put that in there, but... No, I think
1: uh, Warlock. Warlock. A a cleric might be a stretch, but I can see that being appropriate as well. Um,
0: but I'm really, a more limited base. Someone has to make everyone better, right? Eventually, so a cleric would be in there, but I think it would be a, one of those highly respected positions, and not necessarily something that everyone's going to do. There'd be like one, one per grove, one per grove with a, with a maybe a trainee. To take over when yep. this one passes on, then the next one, and as soon as one passes on, they take on a trainee, and, and almost this...
1: always a female. Oh yes, because that would be you. You would be the one passing on that
0: that faith to the mm-hmm. others. It, they may even be depending on, well, like out with the elflings, that might actually be the leader. Yes, if it if it wasn't the leader, it would be the the close confident confidant thereof, an advisor. If yes. you yes, yeah, the advisor. So yeah, that that i think i think that pretty well does a good job of wrapping up our yeah. fairy for a bit
1: and i i will say like artificers would probably not work yeah, with the exception yeah, yeah, of yeah. maybe the the alchemist
0: the alchemist yeah yeah it could be natural compounds maybe but yeah i could. i don't see the artificer being very even though the the uh, elflings are so close to the gnomes and they trade with them a lot. I still don't see that because the resources by itself might make it difficult to, yes. to play out that class. There you go, the fairies. And that's our homebrew world, fairies. We'll see you next time in the dojo.
2: That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at thedungeonmastersdojo at gmail.com.